He's got to be pleased with that. The crowd is just on his feet here. He's a Cinderella boy. Uh, tears in his eyes, I guess, as he, as he lines up this last shot. He's got about 195 yards left. This crowd is going to be silent. Cinderella story. Out of nowhere. Before a great keeper now. About to become the Masters champion. <clears throat> it looks like a wreck. It's in the hole! It's in the hole! Welcome to week 57 of a Good Talk Spoiled Golf Podcast. I'm James Richardson and I'm joined as I always am by Barry O'Hanrahan. Hey Barry, how are you? Good James, how are you? Just want to say, as we always do, a great thank you to everybody who's got in touch with us over the course of the week. If you have any views or opinions of the show, either this week or if there's anything you'd like us to cover, get us on a goodtalkspoiled at gmail.com or our Twitter handle is at podcastgts at podcastgts. And uh, I was away this last weekend, and it was the first 18-hole competition. And Barry, um, you last week we were talking about you guys just sneaking into second place and just holding on to the Winter League playoff, and that took place over the course of the weekend. And uh, I think a congratulations is deserved. You are now the Winter League champions for 2014-15 in Glen of the Downs. Thank you very much. How did you do it? Uh, being very, very sneaky. Sl- yeah, the, we took advantage of a, a nice setup for getting into the playoffs. The top two teams got into the playoffs, and we uh, we went out had um, three scores from the seven had to count. Uh, I had thirty-seven points. We had a thirty-five and a thirty-three, and the other team had a thirty-six, a thirty-two, and a thirty. So it was comfortable enough seven-point win in the end, but. Uh, Nervous times, you know, you just want to go out and do shoot a good score yourself and hopefully the rest of your team do the same and so we did. Um, and you nice. won a wonderful jumper, I think is I think we do. I think we got a very woolly itchy jumper, yeah. yeah. Something like that. It's not really about the prize, it's about the title, you know, the the prizes are just bonuses. But it was good. The uh, the clubs behaved unbelievably well after four golf fixing them last week. Yeah, they We're, got they they were meant to be two degrees. Uh, so two degrees upright, which yeah. they weren't. Some of them were way off and the lofts were a bit Bit askew. So this is your first round with the yeah. the, the proper setup, and yeah, did you to, see much of a difference? Big difference. Yeah, well, I went to the range just to get used to them if there was any sort of difference, and there's a little bit in how they sat on the ground, and so I got that got my eye used to them. And uh, out I went, and a lot of shots were straight out of the middle of the club face and very straight. So it was just confidence inspiring, and I think it helped knowing. Just in the back of my mind, knowing that the clubs were perfect and spot on and done by them, that gave me an awful lot of confidence just to hit the shots and swing nicely. So, uh, yeah, it was good. Uh, really good round. Looking forward to going out again. Uh, which we are doing very early on Saturday morning due to my weekend's plans. But um, just in terms of Twitter, we've had quite a good feedback, actually, over the course of the week from people on Twitter about our trip to Four Golf and people saying on the Twitter sphere that... Uh, They've also been out to four golf, and that they would concur with our mm. belief that it's it's worth going down to four golf and, and getting that custom fit uh, set of golf clubs that they've seen a huge difference in their own game. So I suppose it's interesting to hear, you know, people backing up what we felt about uh, four golf. Yeah, and um, just to be for any listeners who haven't jumped on top of it, the very next morning after you released the podcast last week, three people had already booked a fitting with four golf. So that's great, and hopefully more people do and see the 
benefits of it and you know to anyone who any of the listeners who have done it we'd love to hear from you guys after you've been with four golf and you know how you're getting on with your new clubs or you know what fixes they put for you uh it'd be great to hear that yeah absolutely so uh the twitter handles at podcast gts if you want to get in contact and people were getting in contact last week barry we were putting out there a competition with pitch fix pitch repairers and uh they had to they had to tweet in and tweet with various Twitter handles and various things that people know better than I. But uh, we have the winners, and you can announce them. I think isn't that right? You do, yeah. Ten winners of the Pitch Fix uh, Twister model. So uh, there'll be ten people making the greens nice and pretty and flat when they're where they're playing. So uh, congratulations too. I'm not going to do all this in one breath, but Alan Joyce, John Caulfield, Paul C M Wilson, Fanny Baker. Kieran O'Hearn, Col is at Colm O'Malley, Monkey Butler, Mark Sheehan, Conor McGrath, and finally Matthew Ward. Congratulations to all ten of those. A few long-term listeners in there, so glad they uh, got something cool out of the show. And thanks for thanks a million to Pitch Fix for their for the kind offer of ten twisters. I was really generous of them. Absolutely, and uh, we'll we'll tweet all those names, I assume. Yeah, for people, yeah. Uh, and uh, we'll we'll get, we'll get in touch with you guys. We'll give you guys a follow, and um, we'll get your contact and address details off you, and we'll get those um, Pitch Fix have kindly agreed to ship them all out to you guys. So they're, Brilliant, and uh, it's funny when you listen to people's Twitter handles. How funny they can be, you know. This, uh, I, I think there was a monkey something or other in that, which uh, yeah. made me laugh. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, looking back over the last seven days, there's been a a little bit of news. Uh, I suppose the the big one locally is that this Friday, um, this Friday the Irish Open is going to announce a blue chip sponsor, which um, as everybody possibly now knows or certainly will after this that this is the Rory McIlroy Foundation Irish Open and they're looking for a, a, a blue chip sponsor to go along with it. It's going to still be the kind of the, the Rory Foundation or the McIlroy Foundation like it's presented by, by yeah, yeah. but uh, it's going to be a, a fairly big Irish brand name um, now we've been speculating before we came on air that it's probably going to be one of your kind of Stableford kind of Diageos or Bushmills or something that not, kind of not a Guinness or... Not a Strokes, no. Definitely no, a Stableford. No. Um, a Guinness <laughs> or a Bushmills or a, a Jameson. But um, it'll be interesting. It's great. You know, the last few years they've struggled to get big, big sponsors. So hopefully this will be the, the start of a new generation. This is brilliant. I mean, it's just going to juice the prize fund, make it even, you know, make it more attractive to the big names to come who are already lining up to come along. We've got Sergio Garcia, Ernie Els, Dustin Johnson's considering it, Adam Scott's considering it. So you've just all these great factors, Rory, the golf course, you know, more money coming in. And the more big names that enter the event, the better the world ranking points become and the more attractive a proposition it is. Ricky Fowler's another one playing as well. Yeah, I I think this has a lot to do with Rory's mm. name being associated and also the fact that it is going for the foundation. I think that has a huge draw and I just wonder, um, you know, and if people have any views on it at, at Podcast GTS, but, you know, is it really the Rory factor that is dragging these big names in? Now, I'm not complaining. You no, no. you want these big names there, but... I think just... it's a combination of factors. <laughs> I think the course really helps and Rory on top of that. It's just, you know, one thing breeds another, breeds another. It's just success breeds success and 
it's it's a they've they've come up with a brilliant formula and that's it's obviously it's showing it's paying dividends they've now got a big title sponsor coming in so well I think the thing is that it's great if you get these guys like Dustin Johnson you know and, and the guys like Ricky Fowler who are already agreed to play not not to mention you know Pork Harrington's going to be there mm-hmm. Graham McDowell's going to be there you know major winners in the past is going to are going to be there so it's it's not a, a bad setup in any event and. Um, but the interesting thing is that if these big name Americans come over and love it and enjoy the crack and have a bit of fun and you know if the weather, please God, would hold up and and that Touch they enjoy wood. it, then next year might be an easier sell to get these guys mm. to come back and other big names to come. So hopefully, you know, it it, it needs that kind of jolt forward and maybe this is the year that it's going to happen. I, I do hope they stick to the more kind of traditional style Irish courses. You know, me per- personally, I prefer if, if it was on links courses every year um, in Ireland. You know, there's so few links courses are played in tournaments. I think it's a a great opportunity for Ireland to showcase what we have. Yeah, but we we do also just to to, to play counter oh, no. argument yeah. there. We have some amazing parkland courses in True. this country, so we're not just just a, a links course. I think it's probably going to start filtering its way around for the the the. The uh, the Open Championship potentially going to Northern Ireland mm. in the next few years, and I'd say you'll see a lot being played around the Northern Ireland linkses to kind of get them ready for it. Um, Royal St George talking about linkses um, has followed in line with the RNA and has agreed by a fairly overwhelming majority to allow members uh, be ladies from now on. Uh, Royal Troons expected to follow suit um, in advance of holding the Open Championship next year in 2016. But I suppose it's another glass ceiling or another block that's there of the old style golf clubs, just yeah. one 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 step at a time. And I think we'll probably see all the Royal and Royal and somethings. Yeah, uh, it's just a, domino, it's a yeah. domino effect now, isn't it? Really, which is great. Long, long may continue until the last one's done. Well, I think once the Royal and Ancient had, had fallen, the rest were going to fall fairly soon. So it's 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 good for the game, and and you know with membership falling, it, it makes sense to get rid of all these kind of old, old style rules. And um, Patrick Reebar, you were looking at this. You you were highlighting this to me before the program started. Uh, Patrick Reed, uh, world inverted commas number five. Uh, accused of cheating during college. Uh, what's this all about? Yeah, I just saw a little snippet on it. Uh, it just seems to, you know, if the more famous you get, the more people want to take a shot at you. And nobody knows whether this is true or not. But um, an author called Shane Ryan wrote a book called Slaying the Tiger, which is a, uh, the subtitle is A Year Inside the Ropes on the New PGA Tour. And an excerpt of the book went up onto a website, tobaccoroadblues.com. And according to anonymous sources, Patrick Reed is purport, had purportedly stole a Scotty Cameron putter and four hundred dollars in cash, and that he cheated during a qualifying round while he was playing for the um, University of Georgia Bulldogs back in his time in college. So, you know, Patrick Reed's come out and you know denied one hundred percent. Not not much. I haven't found much else on the story since then. But I'm sure uh, a few lawyers' letters will be flying back and forth. Yeah, he's already said, Patrick Reed said to the Golf Channel's Todd Lewis last Sunday after his final round at the WGC in Cadillac that he intended to challenge the publication of this book through the courts on the grounds that it just is absolutely lies and that he would be challenging it. 
that it's the Random House Publishing Group and that he has uh, already requested that the that portion of the book be retracted and if it's not, he'll mm. seek redress through the court. So similar, interestingly, Patrick Reed uses the courts. Last week we were talking about Tiger Woods and all the allegations that were being made that it seems Patrick Reed did what we were thinking would be the normal course of events, which mm. would be if somebody said something that's untrue, well, he'd be well, using the benefit of the courts yeah. to stop it. And with all, with all that we've learned over the last few weeks on custom fitting and you know the requirement for it, I mean, what are the chances that somebody else's putter is exactly the right fit for Patrick Reed? So I mean, so you know, somebody who's a really good golfer is going to understand how much. How, you know, the high necessity to have something custom fit for you. So what would the benefit be of him stealing a Scotty Cameron putter? I just don't see it. It seems, it seems absolutely bizarre. If people have any views on this, let us know at Podcast GTS. And um, we can't go a week without mentioning the man himself, but Tiger Woods is opening a restaurant around April, May in Jupiter, Florida. But interestingly, Barry, you were saying to me that, uh, because Nike owns his uh, naming rights yeah. and owns the name Tiger Woods, that he won't be able to use that in the title. He can't. He can't call his own restaurant the Tiger Woods Restaurant. Isn't it's not just absolutely ridiculous? So he has to call it. I mean, obviously they sat down and had a really big tent and they came up with this cracking name. It's called it's called the Woods Jupiter Sports and Dining Club. So they they really went all out in the creative thought process there. But I just I couldn't believe when I read that Nike. Would you know he wasn't able to call his restaurant that he owns with his own money the Tiger Woods restaurant because an en- a corporate entity owns his name? Yeah, but you know what? If uh, Nike want to buy my name, I uh, you can get me at Podcast GTS. I'm more than willing to sell it for a small fortune. It's fine, and as I run the Twitter, I'll be taking a large percentage of that. Yeah, that's exactly it. <laughs> uh, last week, the Honda LPGA was held in Thailand in the Siam Golf and Country Club. On the old course, Paula Creamer was defending, but it was really all about the world number two this week. Inby Park defeated the on fire and on song Lydia Ko, world number one, and the world number three, Stacey Lewis, in the final round to win the 2015 HSBC Women's Championship after uh, going wire to wire, Barry. And uh, you were looking at some of the stats that uh, Inby Park, Inby Park was showing over the course, which... Uh, on both sides, both male and female, are pretty impressive. Pretty record-breaking, yeah. I, this is just outrageous. So she played all four rounds without dropping a single shot. So, I, I mean, we're happy to play a hole without dropping a single shot, but she went... Not only did she go the last 72 holes in this event without dropping a single shot, her previous round, she hadn't dropped a shot. So five rounds, she hasn't dropped a shot, and in that time, she's only missed seven greens. So... She's 85 out of 92 greens in regulation, which is just outrageous. Now, the I think that the, the little trick that got her to, to do this gave her a bit of motivation. Apparently, she didn't like the course too much. She didn't think uh, a great deal of it. So her father said he'd pay her $500 for every birdie she made and that she had to pay $1,000 for every drop shot. So uh, on the back of 15 birdies made during the week, he now owes her seven and a half grand. So... Nice, nice little bonus to the two hundred and ten thousand she took for winning the event. So it's just a phenomenal performance, and to beat Lydia Ko on the form she's on as well just shows how well she played. 
So congratulations, Inby Park. Absolutely, and she uh, she also is the eighth different winner over the last eight years of the HSBC Women's Championship. So uh, it's not an easy one to retain, so it's a yeah. huge achievement. It narrows the field down every year for punting purposes. That's certainly true. And on the European Tour, they're still in the South African swing, and Tre- Tre- Trevor Fisher Jr. claimed the greatest win of his career with a resounding five-shot victory on home soil in the African Open. He's a eight-time winner on the Sunshine Tour, but this was the 35-year-old's maiden European Tour victory, and it arrived courtesy of a final round, eight under par 64 at East London Golf Club. And it was a pretty impressive uh, final round, and uh, he uh, really kind of won it at a canter with Matt Ford of England be, uh, being in second on his own at minus 19, some five shots off. Then Eduardo de la Riva was third at minus 16 and Jorge Capilio who's also Spanish who was also at 16 under and Maidson uh, from Denmark at 16 under and then there was kind of the also runs heading outwards but um, it was an impressive uh, impressive win Barry did you get to see any of this? I did I hung over on Sunday morning I watched uh, most of the final round um, really enjoyable to watch I thought the course was beautiful like right by the coast Sort of like a lynx land, lynx type course, but set up in the hills. So it was really impressive to see. It wasn't that long. It was about being accurate, and uh, obviously the, you know, the wind wasn't too crazy. So the guys really did take advantage of it in the scoring. Uh, it was very impressive by Trevor Fisher. He was, he went sixty three, sixty four the weekend, seventeen under par. So it shows you how well he was playing. He was throwing in birdies for fun. Um, I really enjoyed seeing it. The, the course like that is a short course in contrast to what we'll talk about in a few minutes' time and about Doral, the epic monster that that was. But, uh, it was a nice, nice, nice Sunday morning hangover golf. You know, it's good to have golf on you know, European time again. And you know, very soon in the next few weeks we'll be creeping up towards Europe before a couple of events in China and then back onto mainland Europe in May. So, and then the Irish Open not too long after it's come back to mainland Europe. Yeah, yeah, 12 weeks to the uh, the Irish Open. Um, I only know that because that's the weekend of my wedding and it's 12 weeks till my wedding. So I, I'm, I'm able to... Organise the TVs. <laughs> There'll be TVs all around the, uh, around the course. Um, there was, I suppose, there was two kind of tournaments taking place last week um, on the state side. One was the Puerto Rico Open, which was held, uh, held at the Trump International Golf and Country Club in Puerto Rico, Rio Grande. And uh, Alex Checker won on Sunday for the first time, winning a PGA Tour title, making a 15-foot birdie putt on the first hole of a five-man playoff. 44-year-old Czech-born German won in his 287th start on tour. Uh, already a four-time European Tour winner, he birdied four of his first six holes and finished with a 3-under 69 in a rainy, windy conditions at the Trump International. This is a good story, and a guy that I, I don't think anybody would begrudge mm-hmm. winning. He went to tour school last year to get the uh, to get the card back to play in the US. He's a uh, one of those nice guys that you know you just delighted that he was able to see it through. A bit probably a bit like last week seeing poor Carrington come through. It's one of the old guards that mm. that you you just didn't like to see the way his career had gone. So. Back in the winner's circle, Barry, did you see much of this? No, just the highlights. You know, the 
the WGC really dominated the TV, so I just got to see the little highlights and read up on a few stories. And um, unfortunately, saw Emiliano Grillo missed a two and a half foot putt for the win, um, which that's going to haunt him for a long time, to be honest. But it was it was nice to see Checo get a win. Um, he's been kind of showing signs of a little bit of form recently. So um, he tied 18th the week uh, the last time. Uh, wait, that's the previous. <laughs> that's the wrong end of his uh, form in the Northern Trust Open. He was 67th and the AT&T Pebble Beach. He was 34th. So some good rounds showing in there. Um, I got it all wrong. Thought this was going to be a low scoring week in Puerto Rico on a kind of resort course, but the wind and rain was up and the scoring got uh, hammered and they all finished seven under. Uh, another little interesting side story this week, uh, Sam Saunders is Arnold Palmer's grandson and he's been struggling away a little bit, but he's, uh, he's out on tour now. It was his 27th start, I think. And, uh, he got into the playoff and just unfortunately couldn't get over the line this time around. It was Alex Chaco's for the win, so. Yeah, on yeah. he wanders with his tour card intact. As I say, I think it's it's great for him. It's great for the tour. So delighted for Alex Cheka. Um, but really, I suppose as you say, both both the European and and the Puerto Rico Open was overshadowed by the first proper tournament really this year, the WGC Cadillac Championship. At yet again, it seemed like the weekend was all about Donald Trump, the Trump International, um, or the Trump National, I should say, Dorel in Miami, Florida. Patrick Reed was defending. Um, the only thing he defended was his own honour this week. But uh, Dustin Johnson, who in just his fifth start after returning from his six-month leave of absence, he has shown that he really hasn't lost it. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, he was very close. He was in the playoff to, to win. And uh, he's got over the finishing line this week by a uh, decent, decent couple of rounds and uh, well-deserved, Barry, was it? Or... Was it really J.B. Holmes who threw it away to give Dustin Johnson the, the victory? Sit on the fence to say a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. I mean, D- Dustin's been playing ridiculously well, bar that crazy missed cut there last week. He's had three top fives in his last four starts, so it's, it seemed like it was an inevitability that he'd win. It was just when he was going to win. And, you know, what, what, what better place to go to than a bomber's paradise, which Trump National seems to have turned into the... Uh, Himself, J.B. Holmes and Bubba Watson, the three longest off the tee for the week, were first, second and third in the tournament. So it's, um, I think it's a, a little bit of a fail on course design and a lot of the players were giving out about it last week, including Bubba Watson saying he didn't like it, even though it suited his long game down to the ground. Um, to, to kind of highlight the dislike for this place, one of the tour's caddies, Scott Vale, which is Brant Snedeker's caddy, said on Twitter, goodbye, Dump International, what a terrible golf course, hashtag Bombers Delight. So, it, it, it it's annoying to see a course that removes a chance for a win from a large proportion of the field. At the same time, it was uh, it was kind of an interesting Sunday to watch, you know, the, the guys just smash it, like 330, 340, 350 off the tee, and just see who could outpower the other. Um, JB Holmes, as you said, just he seemed to fall away. Didn't make his first birdie until the 16th on Sunday. So that's... Sure, he didn't make many just, birdies on Sunday. 75 for the yeah. finishing. To bookend a 62 with the 75, he went from one extreme to the other over the course of the four days. 10 under for the first round and two over for the next three. So it, it shows that it's a very difficult golf course. And that... That 62 shot was uh, was outrageous. Just I have a couple of little facts on that round itself. Actually, is uh, 
was one of the best rounds of the past decade. His first round score was 11.4 shots better than the field average for that day. And since 2004, only Jim Furyk had a greater um, disparity against par, which was 12.1 shots better than the field average when he shot 59 in the 2013 BMW. And also this round by J.B. Holmes. It's the fourth best round against the field on the PJ Tour since 1983. So it just shows what a freak round it was. I mean, you'd pro, you'd, you know, Luke Donald was tweeting afterwards, you know, what course are you playing today? And the, 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 the pros all recognized and tipped the cap to him. It was a phenomenal round of golf. I'm kind of ashamed that he didn't back it up with a tournament win. Yeah, but, like, his his paid his paycheck will, will kind of take away the sting from that a little bit. Yeah, but the likes of these guys, JB Holmes and, and and players, they, they the money in the bank balance is is less of an issue when it comes to to guys at that top end and and victories mm. is what they want. Uh, I have to say that uh, as much as Dustin Johnson has been playing, you know, good golf lately, he he went a lot about his business and fairly steadily over the course of the four days, sixty eight, seventy three, sixty nine, sixty nine. Uh, to win by one, but I, I, I have to put it down to more that JB Holmes it was there when you have a 10 shot lead or 10 shots at the t- start of the week, you know, not to see it through. He went 62, 73, 70, 75. You know, he didn't have to do even a huge amount on the final day to get over the line and he just couldn't get it done. Do you know what? There was one shot, one thing in particular about the course and one thing that will, you could look back to and say could have cost JB Holmes the tournament. I think it was uh, one of the early holes uh, in the rounds of par five, and it was on the Friday round, and he had a stunning iron shot, landed it just on the front of the green, in the middle, the ball was releasing out and rolling up towards the middle of the green, the pin was at the back, and the slope on the green took the ball from the middle of it all the way to the right, and then down off the right side of the green and into the water, and it's just an outrageously punishing result for a beautiful shot that should have given him a good eagle chance. Um, they need they need to fix a few of those runoff areas. I think a lot of the commentators are saying that they they should be looking at it and they ought to look at it, changing a few of these runoffs. It's just it's too punishing. There's you know really good shots are getting punished for no reason at all. And, well, can and, I know, ask that, you that's this? cost him that's cost him two or three shots you know in his quest for a tournament win and put him on the back foot for the day as well. well let let me ask this and and if people have views on this at podcast GTS, but should should. Golf courses make changes after an event like that because the, the the pros are leaving, giving out about the runoff areas. It's the same for everybody in the field. You know, maybe sometimes we don't want to see guys going 20, 22, 23 under and struggling a bit. And when a good shot, you know, does have that, you know, that's luck. That's mm. the way it happens. If it, you know, takes the wrong kick and it goes off to the runoff area, well, then so be it. Should should we be dictating course design by pros? Not always, no, because they play a different type of golf from us. I, I think I think they have this course wrong, though, because the Bombers can fly the trouble. They can fly the bunkers that other guys are struggling to negotiate in between. And when there's water as a punishment on the on the other side of that, say the perfect example is the 18th. You have the fairway narrowing in with the water on the left, and then you have a couple of bunkers on the right around the 310 mark, I think, off the tee. You have trees and rough to the right as well. So it's a really tough driving hole. And a lot of the guys are having to drive it and land it in that narrow neck, avoid the rough on the right, come up just a little bit short of the bunker on the right, and not go in the water on the left. 
Dustin Johnson instead of worrying about all that he just opens up the shoulders and blasts it over the water on the left and ends up in the fairway he is 166 into the pin on the Sunday so look yeah distance, distance should have an advantage but not the whole way around the entire golf course I think it ruins it ruins the event in that so many of the field are just alright they didn't need a career week to beat one of these bombers off the tee but you're talking about runoff areas around the green well I, I, like I, 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 that's, that's what I'm general, asking yeah. whether or not that should change or I can understand and appreciate the point you're making where look, there should if be you can take areas, it, yeah. a long drive and just get rid of everything of trouble out of it then you're limiting the field to Ten people mm. probably at most that can go on and win. No, no. To talk but. about the runoff areas, yeah. I, I, if you, if you, I'll try to find a video to show you the shot. It was ex- like it should not be going in the water from where it landed. He landed in the middle of the green. It's rolling towards the middle of the green and just takes a break and off it goes off the green. It's just, it was, it was brutal punishment. If it happens, you, you would consider yourself so unlucky and be storming around for a few holes and possibly the rest of the round as an amateur because we don't have great mental games as a whole but I don't know there's just there was a few things that were just wrong with it and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they made a few changes I think they should you know if you've got most of the field moaning and bitching about the golf course something's wrong with it you know even the guys who are at the top of the leaderboard saying we don't like this it's not good that's not that's not a good sign yeah I think they're all pampered too much but anybody out there let us know what you feel at well, Podcast GTS and my writer is Barry Wright I wore neither of us I'd like to see golf, if, golf, if you want to make golf courses tough grow up the rough and marry the fairways in but don't have like un, unfair unjust punishment well we will leave that to the to the fine people of uh, the Twitter Twitter sphere and let them decide uh, at Podcast GTS a few other stories that I suppose are of interest from the WGC. One is we were pointed out to by Jonathan Gordon, the Henrik Stenson using a bent wedge to warm up. Um, it's it's an interesting one to watch. It's uh, You can get it on the, I think it's, it's the Jacksonville Sun-Times website. Yeah, I'll tweet, I'll tweet and, it uh, it seems It seems to be about being able to be in the right position and getting used to it on the range. But... Um, mm. Uh, I've I've bent a few wedges in my time by just smacking them against the ground uh, over over a number of rounds. So maybe it's because I'll, you didn't get it inside six foot, you only got it to twelve foot. Oh, well, that's the yeah. problem, you know. Yeah. So I think I might uh, I might bring it out to the driving range and practice. But uh, it's it's interesting hearing his reasoning behind it. Uh, he just said it's it kind of promotes him getting on plane and getting his hands. In the feeling of his hands leading the club to hitting the ball and getting a good strike. So well, it worked. It worked for him over the weekend. Yeah. You know, tied tied fourth. Uh, he was five off the, the the leaders joint with Adam Scott, who we're going to talk about in just a second. But uh, 69, 71, 72, 72 for a two eight four. And you know, again, another player that it's just it's nice to see him back up there on the leaderboard. Mm. And uh, yeah, Stance is one of my favorite players. I love watching him play. He's a he's great, great, great ball, great ball striker, and just. He's a wonder to watch when he's on form. I, I really feel like he's got to win him in the next few weeks. And I'm going to be putting a few euro on him along the way. Yeah, well, uh, I think that's a pretty good shout. Um, Adam Scott, again, also tied fourth, five behind, uh, 70, 68, 75, 71. Bad, bad third round. But I suppose really the interesting thing was this was the first time that Adam Scott has used a short putter in competitive golf. Yeah. And... Uh, didn't look like he was too bad with it over the course of the weekend. Yeah, he looked okay. Yeah, he looked pretty solid. You know, finishing tied fourth. Uh, he was 12th in strokes gained putting for the tournament. He beat the field by 0.765 of a stroke. So, 
the uh, most people would say that's a pretty successful week with a putter, and um, probably gives him a lot of confidence just to keep going with it. You know, from now on, he didn't. I saw him in one of his interviews, and they asked him whether he was going to do the same thing that Webb Simpson did, which was break his putter, so he didn't have a reason to go back to it, or he didn't, you know, fall back in like a crutch. And Adam Scott said, "No, he's going to hang on to it and you know see how it goes and feel it out." But he like, why would you change back when he looked? He looked very solid with this. You know, sort of pretty similar the way he held the putter to how he would have held it when he had the anchored one. So he's got that kind of like claw pencil grip with his right hand, but uh, yeah, looked looked really good and played very well. Well, he certainly uh, he certainly did, and uh, he was striking it well. And certainly, um, I suppose this is the start. You know, these these couple of weeks where all the big names start coming back into it, uh, getting ready for for the Masters, which is less than a month away at this stage, uh, month last weekend, and. Um, Talking about breaking gloves and throwing gloves away, uh, I suppose we can't not talk about the Rory McIlroy incident um, where he took the shot pretty badly left and uh, went straight into the water and uh, off went his three iron uh, joining him. Um, and then it became a bit of a, a Rory McIlroy three iron circus over the course of the yeah. weekend because we had Donald Trump sending the divers down to go and get it. Then the Don turned up on the driving range to reunite Rory with it. Which, For his 184th photo opportunity of the week. Which, there was just a point, I felt like Rory, if, if Rory had turned around and just said, Oscar, I got another one from the tour truck, I would have just, I would have loved it. Like, it was like, he didn't have it, you know. And the, yeah. the Don made some joke about, I don't like how... Uh, Golf bags have only thirteen clubs. It's unlucky. You yeah. need to have a fourteenth, and here it is. It's like, yeah, he he got given another one probably like ten minutes after he finished. His yeah, round. I think they had it built pretty quickly and shipped out to him within yeah within the hour. But it was just it was a bit cringy. I think the I think I heard that the three iron Rory's going to give it back to the Trump International so they can put it on display, and it's exactly the kind of kitsch easy <laughs> thing that you kind of got the you know the Tom, Donald Trump seems to enjoy. Here's what I want to ask you though, Barry. Two things in relation to it. One, was it unnecessary petulance from a lad who's struggling a little bit more than he has been over the last while? That's the first thing. And then the second thing is, if that had been any other player, would we be laughing and joking about it or would we be saying that this is unacceptable? Um, I think Marcel Seam threw one of his clubs into the water last week because he's not as big as a name uh, as Rory McIlroy. Barely anybody noticed or said a thing. Look, when I saw him do it, I burst out laughing. I thought it was hilarious. It, you know, it's funny to see something that kind of outrageous on a golf course, which is not that outrageous a thing to happen. We all throw golf clubs. We all smack them into the ground. Um, I think it's great to see a little bit of kind of the, the human side, you know, a natural angry reaction. And he just said, you know, to hell with it, and he just launched it into the water. It was just, he needed to burn off the frustration somehow, well, and that well, was it. To play devil's advocate for the moment, right, M M Marcel Saim is no is no Rory McIlroy, he's no mm -hmm. Tiger Woods, and nobody really gives, you know, an awful lot of attention to him. We talk about role models, and, and I'm only playing devil's advocate, because I laughed at this, but we're talking about role models. We've given out in the past about Tiger Woods cursing, giving out, shouting, screaming, throwing the clubs in tempers. You know, we have had a lot of views about that in the past, whether or not it's it's fair or justified. But this week, Rory goes and throws the club into the water. 
you know, is it fair to to criticize them? As some people are, in fairness, on on the internet and uh, in in the paper, saying that you know he has to hold himself to a higher standard now. He's world number one. He's he's a role model, and that kids can't be looking at because it's all over yeah. in the internet. Like, and it's is it acceptable for the world number one to do it, or should he have just put the the club back in the bag and moved on? I I, I think it's unfair criticism. It's you know the guy's frustrated. He's only human. He reacted to it in the heat of the moment. It was a mistake. He probably knew it, as, and he probably knew it before he even did it. It was going to be a mistake, but he needed to burn off the stress. And I think the best thing to take from it is that, look, okay, obviously some people are going to see it and do it and not hear his post-round interview when he explained what, you know, he explained it and said, look, I shouldn't have done it. It's a bad thing to do. It's a bad example. Not to mention, it's a very expensive thing to do if if they're your own clubs. He's fortunate if he gets free clubs from Nike. I think he dealt with it very well afterwards. You know, everybody makes mistakes and it's about, you know, what you do after your mistake that counts. And I think he kind of redeemed himself pretty well from it and, said look it was an error I shouldn't have done it and um, you know I wouldn't recommend anybody else do it and I'm just okay I think it will all be blown over in the next couple of days and we'll be on to the next story uh, talking just finally then there's, there was a couple of hole in ones that you wanted to highlight <coughs> to the listeners from last weekend yeah on the really short 240 yard par 3 fourth <laughs> uh, Justin Johnson and JB Holmes had a hole in one each on that hole within a half an hour of each other so just Did a, either of them just, win a car? No, God, I don't know. Didn't, uh, I don't know. Have to they might, they might have run a free ride in Donald Trump's helicopter or something oh, like great. that. Maybe, that maybe a fun. 5% off discount. I, I think I would have hoped that it would kick left and not go in the <laughs> hole if that was what I was going to win. Yeah, just another, another age. Like 240 R par 3, it's outrageous. Yeah, and I saw that, um, and I should have checked this before I came on, but I saw the European tour golf of the golf shot of the month last month was the outrageous drive um, on the par 4 but I'll have to tweet it later because I've forgotten who who, who it was that hit it um, next week's tournaments the World Ladies Championship which is taking place at the uh, very small uh, resort of Mission Hills which I think has about 33,000 golf courses <laughs> added at this stage but uh, it's in China and Last week's winner, Inby Park, is five to four. So Young Ray is seven to two. Suzanne Pedersen is four to one. And it seems that once you get to that point, it's a little bit of a it disparity. It jumps from yeah. four to one to uh, Holly Claiborne at thirty-three to one. So uh, yeah, it's. A, I'm guessing this is a three-horse race <laughs> according to the bookies. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a little strange. It's not um, the full high-quality event. It's a sort of strange. Um, it's a good showcase. I think more China putting a bit of money into golf. So there's there's kind of a, it's a double event of sorts. It's an individual competition, and the top two scores from the leading eighteen countries are combined into a team competition score. So not confusing in the slightest. No, well, yeah. uh, if anybody understands that, at golf pa- podcast GTS. Please let don't. Us know, you, just, uh, you just hurt our brains. No, yeah. it's. Uh, <laughs> Um, no, it's like it's nice. The Mission Hills setup is just ridiculous. It's at the thirty-three thousand golf course. You could go on a golf holiday and be in that resort for a couple of weeks and not play the same course twice. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's one of those places that I think you always want to get to at some point over your your life. But uh, you need at least probably three weeks to actually enjoy it because you wouldn't know where you're going or what you're playing. But what the European Tour know that they're playing is the 
<laughs> did you write this down beforehand? No, I didn't. I don't think anybody knows it. Tishawani Open. I, I'm gonna, I can't do it. So I can't it's T S H W A N E, but it's in Pretoria, um, which I suppose is probably more famous for certain uh, reasons that took place last year. But uh, the Petro- Petro- Pretoria Golf Club in the Waldorf, uh, South Africa. You have a look at this, Barry, in terms of the course layout and, and distance. It's uh, 7,063 yards, par 670. Yeah, little course, uh, back to Ben, ben Grass Greens. It won't be running too fast. It's a little short but tight golf course with uh, elevated greens. So got to have your iron play on fire this week. Um, well, we'll have a look at the, the, better, the, yeah, the, the leaders in the market. The, uh, not in any way related to last week's uh, Trevor Fisher Jr., but the leader this week is Ross Fisher, 16-1. to 1. Andy Sullivan, a couple of weeks ago, uh, won 18-1. to 1. George Cortez, 18-1. to 1. J- Jaco Van Ziel, 20-1. to 1. And then you kind of go out and out from there. Um, there is any Irish in this field? I'm not 100% sure, but I will keep Let's checking. See Kevin Feeling in there. Um, He's taking a week off. So I, I, it's 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 still Damien McGrain's in there. Still kind of a second tier. No disrespect to Damien McGrain, but it's it's not a first tier event. But it had a good weekend last week. He finished twenty seventh. Yeah, Um, picked up a few quid. Pay for his pay for his next week in South Africa. That's it. Well, maybe he's somebody to keep an eye out for. Darren's playing again. Uh, Darren had a ten at the start of his round on Sunday last week. He lost three balls in one hole. And still bounce back, bounce back to a not too bad round after that. So uh, two hundred to one is Darren for yeah. for, for the week, um, mm. and Damien McGrain eighty to one. Um, I I'm going to be spending probably most of my time again back on the um, PGA US tour. US right. tour because it just it's the only one that I'm really watching at the moment. The Val Valsapar uh, Championship in Innsbruck Resort Copperhead Course in the Palm Harbor in Florida. The John uh, Senden defends, and you've had a look at this course as well, Barry, and then I'll get on to the... Yeah, as always, um, bring a hot putter this week. So just a little fact from last year. Out of all the ranges inside 20 feet that are ranked on the PGA Tour, um, or that are kind of measured on the PGA Tour, um, the this golf course in Copperhead ranked inside the seven hardest in terms of conversion percentage last year. So I really butchered that, but basically, any, anywhere inside twenty five foot, it is really, really hard to make putts. Um, Copperhead it yielded the fifth lowest average distance of putts made last year, so just over sixty eight feet around, which is very low for a pro. So uh, hit your irons close, and hopefully the putts will drop in. Uh, don't think they'll be making a huge amount of birdies this week on the basis of that, and um, especially if the wind picks up to any sort of uh, level. So I think it's time to have a look at see who's leading the market, yeah, well, who's going to who's going to win it. Interesting, just what you were saying there about putting. Adam Scott is currently leading the. Uh, Betting twelve to one, Jordan Spieth fourteen to one, Henrik Stenson. There you are, Barry. You can have your wet dream with him. Sixteen to one, Jim Furyk eighteen to one, Matt Kuchar twenty two to one, Luke Donald twenty five to one, Patrick Reed twenty five to one, Justin Rose twenty eight to one, and Brant Snedeker, a winner a few weeks ago, thirty to one. You have Lee Westwood thirty three to one, Ryan Moore thirty five to one, and then you're kind of moving out and out from there. Um, 
Jason Duffin are fifty to one there. Porrick Harrington's back playing this week, sixty to one. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex Checa from last weekend's win in the Puerto Rico Open, he's uh, one hundred and fifty to one. And uh, yeah, like it's it's a good good tournament. Good good names out there. Um, anybody taking uh, taking your fancy there other than uh, Henrik Stenson, Barry? Henrik, uh, I'm going to put a cheeky little bet on Louis uh, Westhazen. Uh, or Oosthuizen's, I don't know which way you pronounce it. He did an ad with Ping where they ch- one time he said it's Westhazen and everyone calls him Oosthuizen. I don't know. Anyway, Louis from South Africa, who's got a really nice swing. He's uh, forty to one. Played yeah. well last week. I'm going to throw a few little cheeky euro on him, seeking to keep the interest over the weekend. I mean, I'm going to have to keep backing Henrik now uh, right up until the Masters. I think I'll put a bet on for him uh, on him for the Masters as well. On hopefully one of the weeks it wins and I come out with profit out of the whole well the just whole series. Just when you say the Masters, and um, just for people who might be keeping an eye on these things, Rory is still currently favoured for the Masters at nine to two. Bubba Watson eleven to one. Jason Day fourteen to one. Adam Scott fourteen to one. Jordan Spieth sixteen to one. Dustin Johnson uh, eighteen to one. Ricky Fowler twenty two to one. And Phil Mickelson at twenty five to one. Henrik Stenson twenty eight to one. The pick that. Um, Steve Bamford gave a couple of weeks ago in relation to a Justin Rose's twenty-eight to one, Jimmy Walker thirty-three to one, Brand Snedeker and Matt Kuchar thirty-three to one, and so is the Tiger Woods if he plays. Um, and that's I suppose just uh, just keep an eye on things because it's interesting to see how that moves and doesn't move at times depending on the kind mm. of the form. And I suppose only four three, four weeks now of tournament play. So people might be starting to think about putting sneaky bets on players mm-hmm. that they might think are coming into form and they want to get decent odds before before they're they're jumped on by the public. Yeah, exactly. Well it's, yeah that's that's so the thing of um have a listen back to the thing we did piece we did with Steve Bamford actually we, t- we talked about kind of getting the bets on now and not getting the extra place that a lot of bookie or the extra two places that bookies can sometimes offer the week of the event. So you know, you've got that balance between getting possibly getting a higher price right now, but only getting places one to five, or waiting and getting a slightly lower price, but getting an extra place. So there's that. Uh, the, there's, the, there's no perfect answer, but it's uh, I mean, it's each to their own, really. Each, each way placing at the moment with Paddy Power uh, are five places at mm. the moment. So you might you might get six or possibly a seventh, but um, I'm sure there's markets out there that that will will look we'll after you in seven. terms of. Uh, down the line, I know that Paddy Power this week with Cheltenham are, are doing a starting price, if whichever is better starting price or or the one that you've had. Yeah. So ho- hopefully now with Harrington as well, they really jump on you know a good few, few good deals for the Masters. You know, yeah, like Har- the Irish punters. Harrington eight, eighty to one, Keegan Bradley eighty to one there, Graham McDowell ninety to one. Um, just trying to see if I can see any. Shane Larry's a hundred to one. He's been he's been doing well over in the states this year. Dar- right? Darren, Darren Clark five hundred to one. Yeah, um, that's that's not too generous. You know, so the, 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 there's a bit of fun there to be had. Anyway, yeah. the the great thing about the Masters, in my view, when it comes to betting, is sometimes it's actually just enjoyable. You pick one or two, sit back and just watch it, and not worry too much about uh, how they how they get on. But look. That's that's for the next few weeks, I suppose. Mm. Over the next couple of weeks, Look we're going to get to a bit more and more fevered. I'm having uh, Steve back on the week before the Masters. Yeah, which would be great. Um, and don't forget, if people want to get any inside tips or any ideas about who to bet each week, go on to the golfbettingsystem.co.uk, which is Steve Bamford's website, 
and uh, it's well worth having a look at if you're not sure who you're going to back um, for next week's tournaments or you know have a view as to who mm. you might be looking at further down the line so look that, uh, that that that's a lot of golf over the weekend hopefully we'll get to play ourselves and uh Again, just remember that um, the winners for the pitch uh, fix competition will be retweeted by Barry, and we just want to thank Pitch Fix uh, as well. If you didn't want a, a winner this time, do try and get your hands on them. You'll get them in pro shops, and certainly you'll get them in your local golf shop or um, the website as well. Actually, PitchFix.com. PitchFix.com, yeah. and uh, they're well worth it, and uh, they're 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 the kind of thing that once you buy one, you put it in your bag, you'll you'll have it for life. So it's it's worth buying it now yeah no, true like I've been various for years now um, so and now with the twister model so hopefully it'll last me another few more years absolutely so look thanks to Pitchfix uh, again for that uh, Barry will put out on the, the Twitter sphere if anybody has any views or any comments get in touch with us uh, at goodtalkspoiled at gmail.com the Twitter handle is at podcast GTS we love to hear from you we love to get back to you and uh talk about what what you guys are talking about uh so that just leaves me to thank barry for for his company and his views this week to thank you the listeners uh to wish you the very best of luck if you're getting the golf clubs out for the first time this this year enjoy the the golf and enjoy the weather and uh we'll talk to you again next week Bye-bye, huh? Well, you're fine. Bye-bye.